Hi, you're listening to the podcast of Victory Santa Rosa. We pray that this message encourages you on your journey of faith in Jesus. We're going to just uh, dive right in, and I want you to turn your Bibles to Daniel chapter 1. We're going to go through the book of Daniel, and we have to understand what uh, uh, Daniel is almost like somewhere in the middle of the story. Uh, we might get lost uh, as far as the book of Daniel if we don't have a little bit of a background before that, um, and, 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 and if we don't know uh, the background after that, we have to have a, a bit of an understanding of it. And you all know uh, the first, uh, you all know Israel had been led uh, by the Lord himself for 400 years. That was the time of Judges. And after 400 years of no king, only judges, the Lord has, uh, the people had asked for kings, human kings. And the Lord had given them, the first three kings were King Saul, David, and Solomon. And Solomon, um, and after Solomon, there was a civil war. And so the nation was divided into two. Now we have the northern kingdom, they call it the nation of Israel, and the southern kingdom, the nation of Judah. Uh, there were 10 tribes in the uh, northern kingdom, but there were only two tribes in the southern kingdom. The, the northern kingdom existed for 209 years. 209 years, then the Assyrians came in and attacked and conquered the place. While the southern kingdom existed for 325 uh, years until a king from Babylon by the name of Nebuchadnezzar took uh, that nation. He had done it for three consecutive times within almost 20 years. And so King Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar means uh, defender of Nebu, one of the gods uh, in Babylon, took over the southern kingdom, and, and he did it three different times in 20 years. And the first time he besieged the city was the time that we are in right here in the book of Daniel, chapter 1. Are you here today? Can we all stand as we read God's word today? We'll, uh, there, were, there are 21 verses. Let me just focus on first in ver, uh, the first seven verses as we're standing this is the word of the Lord, Daniel chapter 1, verse 1. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand with some of the vessels of the house of God, and he brought them to the land of Shinar, to the house of his God, and placed the vessels in the treasury of his God. Then the king commanded Aspenas, his chief eunuch, to bring some of the people of Israel, both of the royal family and of the nobility, used without blemish, of good appearance, and skillful in all wisdom, endowed with knowledge and understanding, learning, and competent to stand in the king's palace and to teach them the literature and language of the Chaldeans. The king assigned them a daily portion of the food that the king ate and of the wine that he drank. 
they were to be educated for three years, and at the end of that time, they were to stand before the king. Among these were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah of the tribe of Judah, and the chief of the eunuchs gave them names. Daniel he called Belteshazzar, Hananiah he called Shadrach, Mishael he called Meshach, and Azariah he called Abednego. This is the word of the Lord for us today. Let us pray. Father God, thank you for bringing us together. We pray that you give us, Lord, deeper understanding, even as we hear the word of God. And we pray that you prepare us, Lord God, to be citizens of this nation. Though we know we're citizens of heaven, Lord, you want us to be good stewards of our citizenship here on earth. And may we, Lord God, be able, Lord, to do our part as a church as we see your hand over the nation of the Philippines. We want to start with declaring that you are sovereign and Lord over the Philippines. In Jesus' name we pray and everybody say amen and amen. One of the things that we want to understand as we continue uh, in this endeavor to uh, as, as Filipinos, I want us to know that God is sovereign over the nations. And we will see that all throughout the book of Daniel. And we see in this part of the scripture as well that the Lord had used not just those who are, you know, educated and those who are in their prime years, in the prime time of their lives. We're talking about, here in this first chapter, young people. There's a speculation that they were around 12 or 13. Some are saying they were around, Daniel here was around 20 years old. And that was the picture. And we see here young people being trained to take ownership and have a perspective of their nation. You know, it's, when I was reading Daniel, I was meditating on it the last few weeks. I've always wondered about their parents and how they were raised. How can you produce such excellent men, young men, with such conviction? And the scripture was so silent about it. Maybe someday when we get to heaven, I'll find out the parents of Daniel. And how did they do it? <laughs> Uh, this, is, this is real. We're talking about young people who had a sense of God over the nation, but they weren't exempted from pain. They weren't exempt, accepted, uh, accepted from affliction. They, were, they couldn't understand. I was talking with someone, Pastor Johnson, yesterday. I had a dedication and a you know, I, I couldn't just sit down in a dedication where kids are playing. So uh, Pastor Xavier and I have kind of been doing ministry <laughs> in the baby dedication. We were just all over the place trying to make appointments and doing one-to-one right after, make phone calls after that. But, but we, you know, it's like there's this one guy I was talking to and he lost his brother, not to COVID, but he just lost him. They were just sleeping one day and he didn't wake up. He had a missed call, five o'clock, seven o'clock. He tried to call his brother, he's upstairs. He found out he was dead, he had a heart problem and 
passed away at the age of 40, 40, 46, 47. Then last week, his wife lost a baby in the first, first quarter of pregnancy. And he was talking to me and, says, and, I, and I said, I don't know if you're going to church tomorrow. You're near New Valley. Please attend the church. I'm, I'm invited to preach. But since I'm not sure whether you're going to come, let me preach the sermon tomorrow to you right now. So I preached, gave the summary of the sermon of the book of Daniel. <laughs> can I just give you the summary so I can preach it in five minutes? Just summary and then that's it and then play, pray. And, but I couldn't pray by myself so I called him Pastor Savior. Help me out. So we, and we want to pray for you. Let me call another pastor. Then he said, let me call another pastor. He says, let me call my wife and my children. So he called his wife and his children. And we had a worship service right there. And prayed for the couple and prayed for the entire family, talking about, I basically said, one thing that triggered in my heart was he was about to cry and he says, and I was telling him about the sovereignty of God and he says, but I couldn't trace his hand. Pastor, I couldn't trace his hand. I said, he's in charge. But I, I just, I don't know, Pastor. So I pre that's why I preach the sermon today. You may be right now seated there and you've gone through a whole lot and you're wondering, where is the hand of God in all of this? Where is the hand of God in all of this? But I want you to know that in the middle of your pain, whether you be able to trace his hand or not, he is around. He is around. God is around. And we're going to sit in this passage of scripture and in the middle, we're talking about kids being taken out of their nation and brought to the nation of Babylon. And they were kidnapped in order for them to be in a new nation, a new culture, a new, uh, given a new education. They were given new identity, new names, and so on and so forth. And yet in the middle of all this, we've seen how the hand of God had proven himself faithful. And, and in here we see as well that can, they can have all the reasons to run away from God and be resentful of God. But we have seen this young man made the stand. And that's why I was thinking about their parents and how did they do it? What was their secret? That at a young age, even though their kids were kidnapped, they were able to live the life in a nation that they could have hidden themselves and compromised. But I realized that it is possible to live a life of no compromise. Living a life, remaining faithful to the God whom you think have hurt you. And yet they have remained in their faithfulness, knowing in spite of all this, that the Lord had already, through their parents, laid out a foundation of faith and fear of the Lord that no matter what happens, even in the midst of pain, a person can survive if not thrive. May we today learn from the lesson of these young men. This message is not, this is not youth service. This is not uh, campus service. This is not campus harvest. This is Sunday worship service of 9 a.m. in monochrome, Victory, uh, Victory Santa Rosa in Uvali. This word is for us. Three clear pieces of evidence 
that I'd like to share with us today from the scriptures for us to be able to trace the hand of God through the text. I want you to come and join me as we travel together through these 21 verses. Would you want to join me today? Let's see and trace the hand of God. The first clear piece of evidence of the hand of God is found in verse 2. And the, the scripture says, And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into Nebuchadnezzar's hand with some of the vessels of the house of God. And he brought them to the land of Shinar, to the house of his God, and placed the vessels in the treasury of his God. I want you to... I would read this, and I would read it so fast. But let me pause once again and go back to verse 1. And the Lord gave. Say, the Lord gave. The Lord gave who? Jehoiakim, the king of Judah. We're talking about the king of the Lord, the Lord's king. The king of Judah, king of Judah, the nation of Judah, down in the southern part of that nation, he was the king, Jehoiakim, and the Lord has given him to the king of the enemies. Who gave our king to the enemies? God, the Lord. The Lord gave him. Now, if you, you would understand this better if you understand a covenant relationship with God. If you, because of the, God's covenant relationship with Israel, there is that uh, uh, relationship between the people of God and God himself. But if there is a violation as far as the covenant and the stipulation of the covenant is concerned, there will be punishment. And because the people of God decided to rebel and turn away from God, God had been doing uh, the, the wooing as far as his people are concerned but the people would decide to still serve and, and do their own thing rather than the plan of God. They have learned how the Lord had led them for 400 years through judges. Now because of the neighbors, they wanted their own kings. The Lord provided their own kings, Saul, David, and Solomon. But this time they said, we want more than this. And they still wanted to do their own thing. With all the rebellion that they have been showing to the Lord, finally the Lord decided, I am going to bring discipline to my people. And the discipline was, I'm going to give them to other nations. And I'm going to use an unsaved pagan nation to bring about my discipline to uh, the people of Israel. And so he allowed the Assyrians, he allowed the Babylonian. And now we see here the hand of God and him saying, the Lord has given Jehoiakim to, uh, to Nebuchadnezzar. And that is the scenario and that is uh, the picture and that I'd like to share with us in this passage of the scripture uh, right here uh, uh, as a clear piece of evidence to show us the hand of God over the nations. God is in charge over the affairs of our nation. Jesus is Lord. It's a cliche, but I believe it. Jesus is Lord over the Philippines. He has a plan 
for the nation of the Philippines. No candidate can bring about, you know, you know uh, the transformation that, that, or bring about God's plan on, on this earth. God can use our candidate or not our candidate, maybe someone else's, but the point is God is in charge over our nation. He is in charge over our nation. We will go out and practice and apply our, our, our rights of suffrage. But I want you to know as by faith, when you start shedding those circles, not square, right? Uh, circles, uh, you know, oblong or whatever. But as you shade those by faith, you are saying, I'm voting for this person. But Lord, you're in charge overall in Jesus' name. And you have a smile in your face and submit that paper and let that machine, you know, make sure, make sure you put it in the machine, right? Don't, don't put it away. But what's my point? My point is God is in control over, the na- over our national situation. That's basically my simple point. The clear evidence that he's sovereign is God is in control over our national situation. Do you agree? Second, as I move on and bring this to a landing. So there were uh, four guys, Daniel, Ananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. They were ne- renamed. Their names were based on the God that they serve in Israel. Now they were renamed this time to give homage to the God of Babylon. They seem to have no problem about it. They, they chose their battles. They, hindi sila antagonistic, hindi sila yung palaway. And they chose their battles and they just let it. And then they were kind of uh, being taught with the language and the culture of the nation of Babylon for three years. They seem to have no problem about it. Uh, they've probably learned so much lessons in the culture of the nation of Babylon for three years. I could imagine them excelling as well in their academics. There are some students, they have excuse, well, this is secular. I don't know, you know, let me just go by, you know, I don't know if I'm going to. No, 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 no excuse. God wants us to excel even in our classes. We don't isolate ourselves and just keep our faith and not set aside what all, all these academics. We don't put ourselves in isolation, but we don't put ourselves in accommodation. We just get all the lessons, forget about our faith. We don't want that. We want integration, how we could think and how we could see and use the uh, framework of the Bible in seeing things, whatever it may be, how to integrate our faith. But then there's something that happened. They, this time, wanted to change their food intake. Their dietary, uh, uh, their daily food. The chief eunuch instructed them to eat the food that the king had prepared for them. Verse 8 says, But Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself with the king's food or with the wine he, uh, that he drank. Therefore, he asked the chief of the eunuch to allow him not to defile himself. The second piece of evidence of God's sovereignty It's not only that God is in control of the national situation, but God is concerned about our personal issues. A 
as much as God is concerned with the macro, God is also concerned with the micro. In fact, my Bible says he knows even the number of hairs on my head. It's getting easier now to count my hair. When I was youthful, kind of hard. This time it's getting easier and easier. <laughs> Pastor Joseph, no worries. Pastor Joseph, don't have any worry at all. But the rest of us, the Lord, he is concerned with the macro national issue of the Philippines, but he's concerned with the details even of our simple requests. Here's what happened in verse 8, verse, verse, uh, verse uh, 9. Verse 8 says that they resolved, Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself. So he has chosen his battle. Change my name, no problem. Change culture, no problem. Change my curriculum, no problem. Change of everything, no problem. Except my food intake. But they did it in a nice way, not in an antagonistic way, the way sometimes we talk to the waiters if the waiters are not, you know, giving our food uh, quickly. You know, have you seen people like that? Not here in this church, not in this church. I'm talking about other people in, in the restaurant where they demand from the waiter, you know. But this one, they, they weren't like that. They were so nice and said, chief, boss, chief, oh yes. Is there any possibility that you can change our food in the cafeteria? What's wrong with our food? We've got the best food available. And we're talking about food of the kings. Remember food of the gods? This is food of the kings. We're, we're, not, we're not talking about food, street food. We're talking about royal food. What's wrong with our food? There's nothing wrong, but my, what is wrong really is that, you know, this not, you know, you know besides kosher, I don't know if they explain kosher, but, uh, you know, uh, this, there's something that I'd like to make a proposal to you about, and would it be okay instead of us eating? This is more spiritual for us. Instead of us eating, you know, broccoli plus, plus the beef, can we just eat the broccoli? No need to prepare. The preparation, there's something about kosher. The preparation, not just the meat, the type of meat, but the preparation of the meat and so on and so forth. So, you know, I understand this has been sacrificed to the gods of Babylon. You know, when they slaughter an animal, they do, you know, double, uh, you know, they slaughter, prepare food, and yet at the same time while slaughtering, they're sacrificing it to the gods of Babylon. And so they're saying, no need for it. Would it be okay for the next 10 days? We will eat the broccoli. In just my translation of broccoli, beef broccoli. Okay, para lang mabilis for the sake of time. And so just give us the broccoli, set aside the beef, and for the next 10 days, you test us and you'll find out what will happen after 10 days. Would it be okay, boss? Chief. Instead na sinisigawan, na parang waiter, chief, boss. Sirs, please give us things. I'm talking. And God gave Daniel what? Favor. Who among you here? You want favor over your children, your family, over you, over your business. Favor. Say favor. God gave them favor and compassion 
in the sight of the chief of eunuchs, and the chief of the eunuchs said to Daniel, I fear my lord the king who assigned your food and your drink, for why should we see that we were in worse condition, you were in worse condition than the youth who are of your own age? So you would endanger my head, the king. You're endangering me. Do you know that requesting the eunuch for a request to change the food would probably cost them their own lives. The king uh, rejecting royal menu is almost like rejecting the king. Nebuchadnezzar was not really that nice of a king. In fact, the last time he killed some of the, uh, you know, pre, uh, some of, this is how he would do it. Uh, he, he, at one time in Jeremiah, it was mentioned how he did it as far as some of the kings. And this is what he did. He said in Jeremiah, let me, let me just see, verse uh, 39, 67. The king of Babylon slaughtered the sons of Zedekiah at Ribla before his eyes. And the king of Babylon slaughtered all the nobles of Judah. Now this is how he would kill people. He slaughtered all the nobles of Judah and he put out the eyes of Zedekiah and bound him in chains to take him to Babylon. You know how he did it? He called, he got the king. The nobles, here are the nobles of, of Judah, killed, slaughtered all of them. In the, just the king watching all the slaughtering. And then he got his eyes out so that his last sight is about slaughtering his own people. So when his eyes were gagged out, could you imagine that was his last memory when he had his eyes? Talking about Nebuchadnezzar's cruelty. So this is not a nice king. Rejecting his menu is almost like rejecting him. But this young man, Daniel specifically, had a, a nice attitude in him. He was, he was a nice person. He was trying to convince the chief of the eunuch and he, and the Bible says, God gave Daniel favor and compassion in the eyes of the chief of the eunuch. What am I saying? What I'm saying is God is sovereign, not just of the macro, but even your own personal desires and requests. God listens to the cries of our hearts. Amen? Then you will know what happened. He, you know, after 10 days, they became better and fatter. Now, during that time, being fat is not a negative connotation. Now, to us in America, no problem. Here in, in the Philippines, it's almost like a greeting. You know, relatives from the States, as soon as they arrive from the airport, they look at you and say, Antabamo! Antabatabamo! Nasa airport ka palang offended ka na. Pero sa atin, wala lang. Indiring yun. One of the guys, uh, missionary from Myanmar, Pastor Michael, remember? He says he was very big and people would tell him he's big and they're so happy. And, uh, sino ba Mang, mang. And mang says, you know, I am so, you know, almost like saying, sikat ako sa Myanmar. Bakit ka sikat? Kasi mataba ako eh. Ibig sabihin, kumakain akong tama. So nainggit sila sa akin. So every time he would come here, he would order not one piece of chicken from, you know, one piece, one fourth, but the whole chicken. And, and he was a bit bigger. 
And you know what the Bible says? They were better and fatter. Turn your Bibles there. Look at that. Verse 15. So some of you are getting offended. Verse 15, man. Better and fatter. So <laughs> only in Daniel, okay? Please don't do this and say, there in the church, they teach you how to be rude. No, no, we're not teaching you how to be rude. But the next piece of evidence of the sovereignty of God as I land this message, not only that God is in control over the national situation, but He is as well, He is concerned about our personal issues, the favor that we are asking, but at the same time, He is, God is conditioning us for our missional calling. Not only that he's in control, but he's also conditioning us for our missional calling. We're talking about these kids who were sent, they were teenagers, literally. And, and yet the Lord says in verse 17, let's turn our Bibles to verse 17. As for these four youths, God gave them God gave them learning and skill in all literature, wisdom, and Daniel had understanding in all what? Visions and dreams. For the next five weeks, six weeks, including this, we will hear stories upon stories of God allowing the people of Daniel himself interpreting the king's dreams. And Daniel would come next to the king and interpret his dream without saying about the dream. Daniel has to stand up and tell what the dream was and what it meant. And he did it over and over in this book. Apparently, we see in this verse, verse 17, God gave them learning. And Daniel became sh uh, sharper in his interpretation, not just of visions, but even of dreams. I could imagine God was conditioning these men for their missional calling in a foreign land. God has a plan for each and every one of us. And he has allowed us to be alive and well during this generation. Could it be that God has a plan for all of us? And we all, all, we all have something to contribute for the betterment of our nation. There's something about you. Yes, I'm talking to you, not your seatmate, but to you. That God has invested something in you as a parent. As a parent raising your child. How many parents do we have here? Raise your hands. Parents. I want to pray for you right now. Lord, I pray for all the parents. As much as I wanted to meet the parents of Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Lord God, we want to lift up to you the parents that we will be able to raise our children in the ways of the Lord. That, Lord God, you would intervene and put a, a foundation in the hearts of our kids, as small as they are, to the point that when they are catapulted to the to the world, Lord, that they will hold, continue to hold on as far as their faith is concerned. Have mercy, Lord. Favor to all the parents who are here today. 
in Jesus' name. First one, God is in control over the national situation. God is concerned about your personal issues. God is conditioning us for a missional calling. God is preparing us for something bigger than ourselves. Bigger than ourselves. And as we think about it and knowing that God is going to use you and I for that purpose, some of our pastors, Bishop Manny and I, will be visiting uh, a member of our church. I don't know what political leaning you're in, but we, are, we feel obligated to visit, uh, you know, the, 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 someone running for office in Montilupa tomorrow. Is that okay, Pastor Ariel, if I can say that? And we're going to be visiting and praying for him. Whether he'll win or not, we'll be there to stand and pray for him. All right? So I don't want to mention it since, is this Montilupa? No, this is not. This is Santa Rosa. This is uh, province. Santa Rosa, Metro Manila. Yes. Uh, one of the 17 cities of Metro Manila. Now 18. Because we have included Santa Rosa only in victory. And so, uh, and so, uh, we will do that, and we'll visit uh, um, another uh, person who will be running for mayoral office, uh, uh, four of them that we will try to visit uh, before or after election, just uh, stand with them and pray with them who are members of our church. One of them grew up in our kid church. One of them grow, grew up from our kid church, now the mayor of one of the cities in Metro Manila. We're going to visit him maybe after the election, right? And uh, there's another person somewhere in Kainta who's running, and we're going to go visit him. And uh, we'll see. Um, my other friend is claiming, but anyways, let me move on here. Um, but the Lord gave, the Lord gave, the Lord gave. And, and ultimately, we see here in this passage of the Scripture, as I land this message, in chapter 1, we see Nebuchadnezzar, they stayed the first year in Babylon. Daniel was there. He was a youth. He was a young person. But it took 70 years of being in exile. And he has gone through all the kings, several kings, all throughout 70 years. And verse 21 says, And he stayed even up to the time of King Cyrus. We're talking about 13, 14-year-old or 20-year-old to a 90-year-old person in verse 21. Look at verse 21. And that's what it says. And Daniel was there until the first year of King Cyrus. We see here at a glance in one chapter, the life of a young man, used of God, not even, not even in Israel, but in other nations. He had all the reason to resent God because of the pain. He had all the reason to resent God for, because of a loss of a loved one. He had all the reason to resent him being kidnapped. That if they will not obey the king, they might be killed. And the relatives left in, 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 in Judah, in Israel, in Jerusalem, will be so sad to know that their children have been beheaded if they didn't obey the king. But they made a stand and the Lord had used them. And the Lord had been with them. They might have felt it, yes, as they move along, but initially, they couldn't, they couldn't trace the hand of God. And yet, the Lord had, been proven, had proven Himself faithful. For the next 70 years, 
the Lord all along had been there. If you're seated right now in your chair and you're wondering, Lord, where were you the last 24 months? Where were you, Lord, when I was isolated? Where were you, Lord, when I lost my husband? Where were you, Lord, when I was in quarantine for more than a dozen days? Where were you? And the Lord is affirming us today. I have been there all along. You're not alone. Let's just give the Lord a praise today. As I end, when pain and afflictions around us are beyond our control, an unwavering confidence in the sovereignty of God will keep us going. Will keep us going. Yes, we can still sense His sovereignty even in the middle of our pain. He is there. He is there. And you know what? Daniel is, we are not Danielians. As much as Daniel is my hero, but I am not a Danielian, right? We can label people as the, we go through election, but uh, I'm not a Danielian. I'm a Christian. The Lord responded as far as the ultimate need of mankind, and God gave His Son the Lord Jesus Christ, to take away the sins of the world. God provided, and for the greatest need of mankind, the need to be forgiven from sins, He sent and gave His Son. Among you are glad that God gave Jesus Christ as our Redeemer and Lord. Amen. This has been the Victory Santa Rosa podcast. To see more church updates, you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Victory Santa Rosa.